If you're slightly confused or you're wondering whether you've tuned into the wrong podcast, well, don't worry, you are listening to another episode of What's the Story, episode nine. And that was me playing tennis earlier in the week. Now, I was doing that because this week marked the end of the stay-at-home message and the return of outdoor sport. Tennis courts, golf clubs and other outdoor sports facilities have now reopened as England takes its second step out of lockdown. For those of you less interested in sport and more interested in just being able to see friends and family again, well, it's also been a good week as people can now meet up outside in groups of up to six. Cue the return of... Um, As you can tell, I'm loving the sound effects at the moment. Um, But yes, the barbecues have been sizzling this week uh, and Britain has been sizzling. Temperatures rising to 24.5 degrees in West London on Tuesday, uh, which was the warmest March day in 53 years, amazingly. Um, And I think one of the nicest things about this week has been passing through parks and seeing people. You know, we've got so used to going out and seeing no one and places just looking completely deserted, looking like ghost towns. And it has just been nice to see people having barbecues, people playing football, people chatting with friends. And I don't know about you, but I am starting to feel a bit more normal again. So whatever you've been up to this week, I hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoy this episode of What's a Story? This week, I want to start off by taking you right back to January and remind you of a conversation I had in episode one with my sister Shashi, who is a teacher at an all-girls school in London. Now, back then, Shashi was gearing up for the long slog of teaching from home after Boris Johnson put the country into lockdown and with that confirmed schools would not be returning after the Christmas holidays. This was the second time in under a year that schools had been forced to close and move to remote learning, Uh, The first being during the March lockdown. Now, if you haven't listened to episode one, or if January just feels like a lifetime ago, and you need a quick recap, well, here is Shashi reflecting on her first day back. It's been interesting. I mean, I think we, uh, my school, we were always, uh, Monday was was a holiday anyway. Um, So we weren't at school on Monday. So we were supposed to be starting on Tuesday. But of course, we had planned a kind of staggered start um, with remote learning this week, year 11 in next week, year 13 in next week and so on. So there were lots of plans in place. Obviously, you know, on Monday night had to change very quickly. Um, so on the one one hand, it's been quite chaotic in that, you know, no one knows what they're doing from one minute to the next. Um, but on the other hand, I think we are much more set up for remote learning now. And all of our students had had at least a couple of weeks isolating as the year group. So they all know how to log on and do remote learning. Um, so in some senses, today's been my first day of full teaching. And it's been quite smooth, actually. Since that conversation, Shashi has returned to the classroom after schools in England reopened on the 8th of March. Uh, but despite this return to face-to-face teaching, things are far from normal. Secondary school pupils are now encouraged to take two tests a week from home. 
Uh, and the emphasis is really on the word encourage. Testing is not compulsory and therefore there was a concern about how many pupils would actually take these tests. Something else that isn't compulsory is the wearing of masks, uh, which are recommended by the government in secondary schools in indoor environments where social distancing isn't possible. And therefore, again, there is a question, there was a question of how many pupils would actually comply with the guidance. Uh, pupils are also separated into bubbles to reduce mixing. Now, the size of the bubbles really does vary from school to school. So for some schools, bubbles can be a single class. However, for others, it can be an entire year group. Uh, and this discrepancy is significant when you consider that if a pupil tests positive for COVID, uh, close contacts to that pupil then have to also self-isolate. Um, and I want to explore in my interview this week, uh, something I want to explore is how this sort of close contact definition plays out in practice and whether it means entire year groups having to self-isolate, which would obviously be hugely disruptive to learning. There are, however, wider issues other than just the COVID protocols. And one of these issues is exams after GCSEs and A-levels were cancelled. Teachers will now decide what grades their pupils get with the option of setting internal test papers to help inform their assessment. Now, the worry for some is that teachers will be overly generous with their grading, with their assessment, uh, and this could lead to grade inflation. As you can tell, this return to school presents more questions than answers. And this show is all about giving you the answers. So with the Easter holidays now upon us, this week I caught up with Shashi to find out how the return to the classroom has gone. Shashi, welcome back to What's a Story. It's good to have you back on the show. Hi, Freddie. It's very exciting to be on again. Um, very honoured. Yeah, you are the first guest returnee. Yeah. So a badge of honour that I think you should wear as you oh. go about your daily business. Um, well, I just want to pick up where we left off last time in episode one, all the way back in January. Yeah. So I remember you telling me back then when we last spoke on the podcast that you were in a much better position to deliver remote learning, good quality remote learning compared to the first lockdown in March. Yeah. Now, I think what listeners will want to know is, is that how it played out? Was it the kind of, was it a much smoother, more successful experience this time round? Um, it was definitely better. It was much more structured and organised. So we had registers for every class. It was delivered as the timetable um, was delivered in school. So, um, you know, they would log on at the, the normal time of their lesson and we would record who was there and not there. Um, so in that sense, that was very different to the first lockdown when we were just setting work remotely and students completed it whenever they wanted to. So they had to manage their own time in the first lockdown, whereas the second one in that sense replicated the school day more. So, yeah, that was definitely very different. Um, and increasingly through that second lockdown, we became better at um at monitoring who was actually doing work, although we were, we we hadn't um, we weren't using the cameras, so you couldn't see what students were doing. But we began to do a lot of editing of documents together, um, where you could see what they were typing, and you know you'd or you'd have like a group a task where I'd have named students on a different slide of a PowerPoint presentation, and they were all responsible for answering a part of a question. Um, so then it became you could actually see what they were doing as opposed to them maybe passively just you know 
shopping online while you were talking. Um, yeah, and I remember when we spoke last, we also touched on whether that uh, technology maybe could be used in the classroom going forward. Have you noticed any changes? Any changes um, actually when you've gone back into the classroom and how you use technology? Um, not yet, but I think there's definitely a, a push for that. And actually, um, I did see one of the history teachers um, using. He'd obviously borrowed the the remaining little laptops that we have um, that we'd got in order to give out to students, but we've got a lot of them back now. Um, so he'd obviously borrowed a class set and he was doing his lesson um, sort of in the class, but he was he was using some of those skills that we'd, we'd um, developed over lockdown. So that was quite interesting to see. Um, I and mean, he was doing it because the projector was broken. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not because there was a, a massive impetus to do it, but he did say actually, oh, it was good, you know, to see how it, it, it worked. And there definitely are occasions where it was great to be able to see what they were writing, you know, live and to check documents. So I, I think we will use we will use um, some of those uh, methods. It's just at the moment the technology we don't have it in school. Like they, they don't we don't have enough computer rooms or enough computers, and they're not allowed to bring their phones into school. Um, so yeah, the technology isn't really there. In, in terms of the school infrastructure at the moment, but I think actually uh, that is something that we're working on. Yeah, and have you noticed a different, obviously the government have the laptop scheme where they're rolling out laptops and the idea is to, um, particularly with disadvantaged students, um, increase sort of uh, access to laptops and broadband and things like that. Have you noticed that scheme working at all with in your school? Yeah, it definitely did. By the end of, um, you know, by the end of sort of that lockdown period, well, even like probably by the middle of the lockdown period, we'd lent, we had lent laptops to quite a lot of students that didn't have them. Um, and actually, yeah, the students had laptops. So those that had been working on their phones, um, we'd, we'd managed to get laptops to them. And, um, and those that we couldn't or where the broadband wasn't very good, they were coming into school to work. Um, and to use our facilities. So actually, I think this time it was definitely much better in that I think everyone, pretty much everyone then had access to a device, a proper device to work on and, and good broadband. Right, okay. Um, so yes, that was definitely better. Yeah, and just going to the return to the classroom on, on March the 8th. Now I remember building up to that point, there were so many questions around that return and so many questions around testing and how that would work around face masks, around what happens if a pupil tests positive, you know, do they get a follow-up test because there are issues with the um, lateral flow tests and sort of false positives. Yeah. What's your end of term assessment verdict on how that return to school has gone? Well, do you know what? I, I, I mean, all credit to probably our senior leadership team for the organisation of it, but I mean, it went, it's gone actually really smoothly and um, we were all dreading it slightly um, but actually it sort of seems to have rolled out quite effectively. We've had very high uptake which was interesting because I think there were a lot of worries about whether students you know whether parents would go along with it you know whether how many students would sign up um, and we've had 85% uptake amongst the students and sort of over 90% with the staff so that's been quite reassuring and, and seems to have gone quite smoothly. Um, and I think the students are sort of 
logging their tests they, they, they do a test on a they, they're doing them at home now so they do Sunday and Thursday um, and they log their results and we, we've had one positive in year 10 and um, then she had to do a follow-up PCR test but the whole of year 10 have been in isolation which is a real shame they sort of went off again on Monday this week and so they missed the end of term um, and they're still in isolation now the whole year group's got to isolate for 10 days so is that just from one positive test that then the yeah. whole wow because yeah. because just reading it seems that the definition is sort of close contacts and I was trying to really work out how that plays out in reality so you're saying that because that all that bubble were in the close contact with the person who tested positive that's a whole year group gone yeah, because we haven't right. got the space. So the whole of year 10, uh, all their lessons are along the modern foreign languages corridor and they get their slot in the canteen um, you know, and they're bubbled together basically as a year group. And because obviously they have to switch between classes, you know, they're not, they're in different sets for different subjects. They're, they're doing different subject combinations. We're not able to distance them as a year group. Um, so they are the bubble, the whole year group. Um, whereas some of the younger years, if their lessons are all in forms, um, it's maybe easier to sort of bubble them. But even then, they're still in the canteen together. The canteen gets clean between every year group using it. But, um, and they've all got their own toilets and so on. But basically, as a year group, it's very difficult to separate them. That must be incredibly disruptive if... Yeah. If that one test then causes a whole year group to go back, but that's the only time it's actually happened this term, though. That, that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's only been three and two and a half weeks. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back for two and a half weeks, and obviously now we're off again. But I think actually we were all saying it was quite shocking to get that email. We got it last Sunday from the head teachers saying that there'd been a positive test in year ten and that they were all going to be off again. Because I think we'd sort of almost lulled ourselves into this sort of sense of security that numbers were low and we were back in um so it was quite felt quite odd that they tested positive and then we thought oh maybe they'll come back because there's been a mistake and the PCR test will will prove negative but actually the PCR test was positive so they're sort of still off um and I, th I know that year 10 parents have been really unhappy about it I mean I had a form in year 10 um and when I was ringing home because we were ringing home during lockdown you know, parents were sort of saying some of their, you know, well, their daughters had been in lockdown last term for five weeks at a stretch because every time they'd come back, someone else would test positive and then the whole year group would go back in to lockdown. So they have been, as a year group, them in year 11, in lockdown for this, you know, a really long period of time. And I think parents are really saying... Is this the only way you can do it? Because it's not how every school is doing it. Some schools have got more space to bubble, um, you know, smaller groups of students. Whereas we're saying, because we're a very old building um, and we haven't got much space that we can't bubble them in smaller groups. Right. So yeah, every time one person tests positive, the whole year group, you know, and they're big year groups. Um, so yeah, I think it's been really difficult for those you know those students because they're, they're constantly you know toing and throwing and, and now, yeah yeah it. yeah I, I bet the parents as well probably sick of ha having them at home by now so they're just probably desperate to get them get them back to yeah. school in the classroom um yeah. 
I want to touch on the masks because obviously you're you're with secondary school. You're teaching secondary school pupils. Yeah. What and and recommended that secondary school pupils should uh, wear masks in indoor environments yeah. where social distance isn't isn't possible. How, what's the kind of pupil reaction been to that? Have they been wearing the masks? Have they been sort of happy to wear them, or has there been a bit of a pushback to it? No. Do you know what? It's been fine actually. I mean, they largely they're wearing them around the school we, we haven't made a big deal out of forcing them to wear them in class because it is a choice the government did say it's up to them yeah. um it's sort of encouraged so they are wearing them a lot of them are wearing them in class if they're not speaking the problem is that when you want to talk um you know if you want to ask a question or even just talk to you know the person sitting next to you it's quite difficult in a mask um so they're often removing the masks to answer a question because um, I can't and also because I can't step over the line that's two meters away I can't it's not even like I can come closer to listen so um, so is there, is there a, a sort of a physical line that's been drawn out yeah the, we had yellow lines taped at the front of the classroom and theoretically we're not supposed to step over the yellow line um yeah <laughs> that's great and what's that like teaching in that environment where you've you literally have the distance set out for you does it has it have you found it's restricted your learning or has it not really made a difference at all no it's it's really really terrible I think it's the thing that teachers actually really find the find the most difficult because you can't I mean I think we do step over the line sometimes um but we're really not supposed to um and Actually, it means that you can't go and talk to a kid at the back of the class that's not maybe not doing anything. You can see them with their head on the desk. And instead of being able to go over and talk to them, you have to shout over the whole class, you know, Julia, you're right at the back. It's, I mean, who's going to respond to that? Yeah. Um, you can't go and see what they're doing. You can't look at their work. Um, you can't talk to them privately to answer a question. So, they have to ask it in front of the whole class. Um, it's it, yeah, it's one of the things that definitely, I know I've spoken to lots of colleagues about this, it's definitely one of the things that we're finding very difficult to deal with, um, not being able to talk to students, to move around the class. It's such a powerful tool. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And it's like a lot of things at the moment, even when you think something's going back to normal, so you're mm. back in the classroom, it's yeah. still not really normal, is it? No, it's definitely not. No. no. Uh, and I did see um quote from Gavin Williamson talking about masks potentially being replaced after Easter as and they'd, they'd scrap that. Have you read okay. that? That would be good. Yeah. That would, <laughs> that, would, that would definitely help. I mean, I know that there were, I will I will have colleagues that would disagree with me that like the masks yeah. make it feel safer, but from a sort of teaching and learning point of view it's it's quite frustrating, yeah. but actually, I think the bigger difference for me, it would. I think, I think for me that it would make a much bigger difference if if they scrap the two meter rule. If I was allowed to move, you know, around the classroom, that right. that's actually a, um, I find more of a hindrance than the masks. Right, and you meant you mentioned sort of how teachers are feeling, and I just want to go into sort of teacher safety because there was a. There was a poll as schools were about to return um, from Teacher Tap. I think that might be an app. Have you heard oh, of that? Right. One? <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently, a daily polling app, and it found that um, nearly half respondents said, and th these were teachers, said they felt nervous or scared about 
um, the return to the classroom. What's the feeling in the staff room with you? Are teachers now a lot more at ease now you've gone back or is there still an element of nervousness? Yeah, I think it's really weird, isn't it? I think like with anything, you sort of get used to the status quo and then any change makes you a bit nervous and then you you start doing something and then it just sort of starts to feel normal. But I mean, I, I have to say, I don't know, have you seen those adverts that the government um, have put on, you know, the one TV at the moment with the green smoke coming out of the mouth? Yes. If you're, room, if you're in a room with someone yes. without ventilation and this sort of like, dangerous looking green <laughs> it looks like it looks like something from doctor who it's quite scary yeah. isn't it yeah yeah exactly exactly um and we were talking about this in the staff room the other day it's such a weird um a weird contrast because we were all sitting in the office the other day you know having cake for someone's birthday um but you you know technically you're not allowed to sit in the same room as your mum you know if you don't live with them it's it's a very it's a very strange feeling and on the one hand the government is sort of you know that you've got these adverts on tv with this sort of yes doctor who like green substance saying oh it's dangerous to be in a room but at the same time we are in a room with 30 people you know all the time and I'm having lunch with colleagues because you you know you, you have to sit somewhere in a building and you have to eat so yeah you know you have to take your mask off to do that um so we're doing those things we're inside all the time it's a busy school and it's a small building um and you sort of just get on with that but then at the same time it's you're sort of reminded that in another context uh, you know it would be dangerous it's so it's a very strange sort of cognitive dissonance between is this dangerous or is it not dangerous? It can't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, I want to go on to exams, the issue of exams, because first, so when, when we went into lockdown in January, there was the announcement that exams would be cancelled and yeah. that it would be teacher-assessed grades. Uh, and and teacher-assessed grades, but also with the caveat of internal exams as well and internal tests. Um, so I, I think you have the option uh, whether yeah. you want to take those internal internal exams as well. Um, but with that sort of teacher assess, assess grades, I just want to find out what does it kind of feel like as a teacher to have someone's fate literally in your hands? What's that responsibility feel like? Yeah, it's a very strange year this year. Um, but actually, what it, the way it's worked out is that every school I know is doing and I it, it kind of the way that Ofcol have released the guidance you almost sort of have to do it like this so it's not they're not exams but they are doing kind of formal assessments yeah. so um it, in the next half term so when we get back after Easter between then and the May half term they've got like it's not an exam schedule but it is an assessment schedule so they've got timetabled slots where they'll be doing an assessment that will then form part of their portfolio for that subject um and the reason that we're doing it like that is you've got to sign as a teacher a document to say I am you know I'm I'm fairly certain that this is a student's own work that it's been done under you know a particular set of conditions so it's you can't just sort of take, uh, you know, random work they've done over lockdown and, you know, typed up as a, right. an example for their portfolio because you have to be reasonably certain that it is their own work. Um, so we've yeah we've we've got a 
we've got to put together a portfolio of pieces of work and then grade that so it's not like last year where you were allowed to sort of well in fact not allowed to but you kind of had to sort of almost project you know what do you think they would have got this year you have to mark it on the evidence of like oh well, this is what I can see in front of me on the other hand it's not like exams at all because for example my A-level English literature class know exactly what the essay title is already so just like a, a pupil's dream <laughs> yeah so they get they, they can prep it they prepared it I'm not allowed to I can't mark it beforehand but they've sort of you know they know exactly what they're going in to do they know which hamlet soliloquy is going to be on the exam you know they know the the title of their history essay. so they um you know if it's science they know that they've only got to do this bit of you know the module um so it is very different to normal exams um but at the same time there is a kind of formalized aspect to the way in which <clears throat> they're being run and do you think there will be an issue with grades so when I'd say grade inflation generally people getting better grades higher grades do you think there'll be an issue with that and and actually is grade inflation actually an issue in itself um I think there probably will be grade inflation I mean imagine if you knew the essay question (laughs) beforehand um it's gonna be yes because in order to sort of make it fair we've kind of given everyone we've sort of assumed that everyone hasn't made the progress they would normally make, but some of them actually have, you know, done fine. So I think there will be grade inflation in that sense. Um, But I tend to think that it will all come out in the wash anyway, you know, that they'll kind of continue with their academic career and um, or whatever they're going to do. And there will be a sort of natural kind of sorting process, you know, for whatever they sort of do next. I feel like it's an inevitability this year and obviously last year as well um, that there, there was going to be grade inflation and, and actually I think, well, never mind. It's, it's probably the least of our worries. That yes, that, yeah. That, uh, I just as long as we don't have a repeat of the, the chaos that went on last year, I mean, it can't be, it can't be worse than that. Well, I mean, th- there is definitely a worry um, because... Yeah. You know, I've, I've just said what our school's doing and the Barnet head teachers, for example, have met to sort of come up with a kind of like a way that they're doing it as a standard. But different schools across the countries are doing totally different things. Right. So I won't be surprised if there is a kind of outcry at the end of it where students are sort of saying, well, in this school, they were allowed to do this. And in this school, they, you know, they, they did it like this. And this school yeah. used notes. And because it's very, it's, you know, the guidance is, is, is pretty open. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, <laughs> I'm not saying I don't expect a scandal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, when I talk about this year, just for listeners unaware, it was obviously the uh, controversy around the algorithm um drawn up by exam regulator Ofqual that actually led to 40 percent of predicted grades to be downgraded uh, and huge <laughs> outcry that algorithm was eventually scrapped yeah um, so fingers crossed but i mean fingers crossed it's not it's 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 not as bad as last year what i have realized as as you're saying there is that the situation is very much not ideal it's imperfect there's no easy there's no real right answer is there I mean, whatever happens, there's going to be issues. Yeah, absolutely. I think there just are going to be issues. It's it's not a it's not 
a sort of perfect system by any means. Yeah. Now, talking of issues, one big issue has been uh, the really harrowing, actually, reports of um, sexual harassment, abuse, assault uh, that pupils, ex-pupils and, and university students have been posting on the website Everyone's Invited. Now, that yeah. website has now received more than 11,000 posts. You know, it's completely, um, yeah, I mean, the, the posts have, have been increasing rapidly every day. Um, and I just want to know from a sort of teacher's perspective, what it, what's it sort of been like going through that experience and hearing the, these really, you know, harrowing testimonies? I mean, I think that, as you said, those testimonies are really harrowing, aren't they? I mean, it's it really shocking. And on the one hand, you, you do sort of feel, gosh, you no, know, like, should we have been, you know, should we be doing more? And what more should we be doing? And um, yeah, there's definitely a kind of um, a sort of a, a feeling of responsibility there, because you, of course, want to safeguard your students and do the best you can for them. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, I think there there is also like this sort of feeling in schools about, oh, God, you know, this is a really a sort of deep societal issue that sometimes schools are sort of made to be responsible for everything that exists in society and there is you know there is only so much we can assume responsibility for so um I mean and this you know I hope doesn't sound callous but to, to a certain yeah. degree I feel like um you know we're lucky I teach at a girls school and um to a degree they are sort of protected in that way that they're not being um, you know, harassed in the common room in that sense. Whereas when I'm reading some of these testimonies, um, you know, some awful things have happened to students sort of yeah. within the school building at school. Um, but that's not to say that our girls aren't experiencing that outside of school, and they, yeah. you know, and they definitely are. That you know, they've definitely got their own kind of harrowing stories. Um, and I think there is more that we could be doing. Um, you know, it just. There, there is the new sort of sex and relationships curriculum that has come out now that we didn't really get a chance to sort of get going with because it's not the kind of thing that you can deliver with remote learning. You know, that some of these are very um, sensitive topics that, yeah. you, you know, that you don't, you don't necessarily want to do online when you think, well, who else is in the room and what support have you got? And, you know, so actually there's, there has been a delay in the rolling out of that new curriculum, certainly at our school. Uh, so that is definitely something we want to push on with. Um, we've actually set up a questionnaire for our sick form to say, to say, you know, what do you, you know, out of these topics, what do you feel like um, you would like discussed? Um, we're going to look into setting up some self-defence classes as a sort of uh, an, an out-of-school option, obviously, when that's allowed again. Um, so that I think it has definitely sort of shocked, shocked us into thinking, you know, we, we definitely would like to do more, but at the, at, you know, as I said at the beginning, at the same time, there is also this feeling, this is such a big issue in society. It's a, it's a much wider issue and, a, and it just is sort of an institution. Um, you know, we are part of a, of a, a you know, a, a structural problem in society and on our own, we cannot solve that. Shashi, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I realise it's been a hectic term, must be a hectic year in general for you. So enjoy the break. You've definitely earned it. Oh, thank you very much. It's always good to talk to you. And you'll be back on. I hope you're back on soon for number three. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you for joining me, Shashi. All right. Take care. Bye.
I have to say, as much as I loved my first chat with Shashi back in January, I thought she came back even stronger for appearance number two there. Um, but I think a reminder at the end, you know, when we talked about everyone's invited, that sometimes it is just worth reflecting on the other huge issues going on right now. And, and it was good to hear from Shashi that, you know, in her school, they are taking some positive steps to address the concerns of their pupils. But going back to COVID, if I may, you know, clearly at Shashi's school and I think schools right up and down the country, the return has actually gone pretty well. You know, there are a lot of positives to take from it. Um, but one thing that isn't so positive and one thing I can't really get my head around is that yellow line that she talked about. You know, that yellow line, almost like a train platform drawn out, um, distancing her from her pupils. And I have to say, it just seems madness that with the vaccine going so well and we're starting to return to, you know, a bit more of a normality that children's learning is still being you know, quite severely restricted and hampered. Uh, and I think a real message from Shashi, and I completely agree, is that after Easter, we need to start getting back to real normal. And please get rid of that yellow line, get rid of that two metre distancing in the classroom and just allow children to get back and start learning normally again. And I think, I think that's really the message to take away from that chat. But on that note, it is time for me to bow out. Uh, and wish you a happy Easter. I hope you have a lovely Easter weekend, uh, and we will speak again next week.